MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Happy Monday, if that's what I'm catching you. Hopefully you had a very profitable weekend, and if not, let's get you back on track right here. I myself on a, a little bit of a, I don't want to say a heater because I don't think it is, but 5-0, and 5-0, oh, and oh, one, two, three, five, yeah, 5-0 and oh on my last five WNBA bets. So that has been very cheerful for me on this end of things. Only had one bet going on on Sunday and one on Saturday, and then we did have a 3-0 and oh night on Friday. So for me, very fun weekend and got to meet, uh, or not meet, but got to see some new followers, at least in the Twitter sphere. I also did my first day in the life TikTok. Uh, so if you're not following me on TikTok, I also tend to usually almost always tweet out as well. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can see my TikToks there as well. If you're not into, you know, the TikTok thing, I understand. I wasn't either. And now here we are. But I did my first day in the life sports betting when I went to Las Vegas last week for work, as you guys may have noticed, because there was a podcast on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. You probably didn't notice at all. But... I was in Las Vegas, so I decided to do a day in the life one, and uh, it, it did pretty well. And I just think it's so interesting that we, uh, myself included, especially when I'm on TikTok, like to see what other people are doing in their day. Like, that's just, I mean, we know this from reality TV all, already. The, the formula has been proven, but I just can't believe that people would care what I do in a day. But nevertheless, that was really cool and a really fun weekend. So hopefully we can keep that rolling into this week. Hopefully your week is also going uh, as good, it's probably not, as Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces. They signed their WNBA All-Star MVP 
Yes, you've probably heard of that because she was mocked, or not her, but the trophy that she received was mocked relentlessly because it looks like it came out of a dime store. I mean, a, a, a dollar general, if you will, uh, for her MVP trophy. So that's probably why you've heard of it, in case you actually uh, were not watching the game. But their WNBA All-Star MVP, Kelsey Plum, 2021 Olympic gold medalist too, two-year contract extension for her announced on Sunday. She's a fifth-year pro, second in the league in scoring, eighth in assists, and seventh in three-point field goal percentage this season, and led all guards in fan voting this year for the AT&T WNBA All-Star game. So we love Kelsey Plum. We're excited to see more and more of her. I wanted to better for MVP, but unfortunately, she's on the Las Vegas Aces, and they got about three different players you could look at for that, including Asia Wilson, who's on a tear. What's she averaging? 20 and a half points per game. And also, shout out, before we get into the actual what's going on in the show today, to Bet Rivers, who not only sponsors this podcast and lets me talk about the WNBA all the time, lets me, I would do it anyways, but also has been putting up player props for the WNBA, which is so cool because if I remember correctly from an article I read recently about the different sportsbooks demographics, Bet Rivers has more female bettors logged in than male bettors. And not that, I mean, you guys know, half the handicappers, if no, all the male handicappers I brought on so far for the WNBA have been men, but that will be changing shortly. We're going to have Karina Mustafa join us in when she gets back from vacation, so I'm excited for that. But I just think it's really cool in general that they're they're putting up more props for the WNBA, and unfortunately, I have to imagine they're getting slaughtered on these. We'll, we'll ask Daniel Mattia next time he's on the show about how he's been doing on those, because I know he's been taking advantage. All right, so today's show, part one, home run derby on Monday. Dodgers and Angels not back in action until later in the week, Thursday and Friday. So we'll look at the home run derby odds for Monday, July 18th. And then college football. This is a little series, if you will, that I'm going to start dropping into the podcast. Probably probably within each podcast for the next couple weeks to just kind of compare and contrast the different positional groups of USC and UCLA football. We'll look at the quarterbacks first, of course. We'll probably do a coaching head-to-head, too. That one will be so much fun. Let's see which one is more media-friendly. Can't imagine. Anyhow, we are going to take a look at UCLA and USC head-to-head as far as football is concerned this year. So we'll start that today looking at the quarterbacks. And then finally, WNBA, the update of what's going on. And Tuesday games, we got them. We'll preview them. But first, we'll get into the Los Angeles odds, courtesy of Bet River Sportsbook, of course. So the home run derby, Ronald Acuna Jr. sitting at 3-1. to one. Kyle Schwarber at 3-1. to one. Juan Soto plus 350. Pete Alonso plus 450. Julio Rodriguez at plus 8. 50, Corey Seager at 9 to 1, Albert Pujols at 15 to 1, and Jose Ramirez at 15 to 1. I'm a little bit surprised to see Ronald Acuna Jr. and I guess Kyle Schwarber both at 3 to 1 at the top here because my pick is not either of them. We'll get into that. The Pac 12 conference winner for football odds USC at 2 to 1, Utah plus 240. Oregon plus 250, Washington 10 to 1, and UCLA 10 to 1 as well. Below that, we have a huge drop off to Washington State at 25 to 1, and it just goes down from there. I'm actually surprised that the longest shot is Colorado, not Arizona State, because I think Arizona State is going to have a rough time of it this year. Also, the WNBA odds, of course, the Las Vegas Aces plus 150, the Chicago Sky 2 to 1, the Seattle Storm plus 350, the Connecticut Sun 5 to 1, and the Washington Mystics 14 to 1. That is the one that I'm riding with right now. I have the Mystics at 15 to 1. Would still grab them at 14 to 1, obviously. Not a huge drop off there. Before the season, you've heard me say this before, 20 to 25 to 1. So 
yes, better value at the start. But you know what's really frustrating is I believe at one point, I want to say back in January, but maybe it was right before the season. I'm not quite, I'd have to look it up. But the Chicago Sky were around four to one. I was going to say eight to one, but that was probably last year. Four to one or so. And now we're just seeing them at two to one to repeat the defending champs, the Chicago Sky. Incredible. I mean, they've held together their entire team virtually from last year, minus Diamond to Shield. So. It could happen. It would be the first time since the early 2000s. I'd love to see it. Las Vegas Aces, of course, still a front runner too, at plus 150, as I mentioned. The Connecticut Sun going to cause some problems, but have not been able to just kind of just grease the oil in the joints of the machine that is the Connecticut Sun. Alyssa Thomas has been a lot better and has been doing incredible things for this team, but I just feel like they have not been able to get this together, just coming off of a loss to the Aces on Saturday, actually. So you can find all those odds and more at Bet River Sportsbook. And remember, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is serving up big wins with their new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. Visit BetRivers.com or download the Bet River Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. That's right. Log in every Wednesday and you automatically receive a 20% profit boost. And now you can even live stream your favorite tennis players right from the Bet Rivers app. Heat up your summer with the Bet River Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game. And if you need some tips for tennis people to follow, Pamela Maldonado does an incredible job. She's from Yahoo Sportsbook. She's been on the show. And also, I would say Gil Alexander is an OG at this. He does a numbers game on VSIN in the mornings, Monday through Friday. A must listen. I, that's one of the actual VSIN best bets podcasts that I will pop on if I go for one of my morning walks. So let's get into the home run derby. The Midsummer Classic, coming back to L.A. for the first time since 1980, and it will be the first home run derby held at Dodger Stadium since the first derby was held in 1985. Love a full circle moment. We talk about the contestants, if you will, here, and New York Mets first baseman Pete Alonso is the two-time defending champion, a favorite to win at some sports books, not at Bet Rivers, if you can believe it. And one is a long shot at Progressive Field in 2019. One is a favorite at Coors Field last year, which of course has its own set of advantages, that thin air being a huge help. He beat Trey Mancini, which was, by the way, so fun to watch Trey Mancini get that far and for the Orioles of all teams. And also the comeback story of his health and everything that went into that was so cool. But uh, despite that, we were all, of course, rooting for Trey Mancini to have his moment. And I guess he kind of did. Alonzo didn't care. He still won 23-22 in the final round uh, to win back-to-back -back titles. Juan Soto is the only other returning participant from the 2021 Derby. And he upset Shohei Otani in a double tiebreaker in the first round, which was so upsetting to watch because I didn't know who I wanted to advance. I think I, I wanted Shohei, really, deep down, if I was being honest with myself. But this contest was so good, and it was in the first round. And it just, like, and it didn't go downhill from there. It was still a great contest. Of course, you have the Trey Mancini storyline going on as well, all the way into the finals. But this was just so crazy of a way to start off the whole thing so hopefully gonna see similar fireworks in the starting of of this year as well but the line or the first round pairings if you will number five jose ramirez versus number four juan soto we have number one kyle schwarber versus number eight albert pujols number two pete alonzo versus number seven ronald acuna jr and number six, Julio Rodriguez versus number three, Corey Seager. Now, let's talk about Corey Seager because you would think home ballpark would certainly carry an edge and not necessarily his home now, but his previous home. He's had 22 home runs this season for the Rangers, and he's in the Derby for the first time 
since his rookie year in 2016. He played seven years with the Dodgers. He hit at least 15 home runs in his full five seasons that he played in L.A. So you can safe to say that he's familiar with the stadium. He could possibly have a certain edge, if you will. And again, the odds at Bet Rivers for Corey Seager, 9-1. to That's a longer shot, if you're looking for one, that would make a little bit of sense. I'm looking at Pete Alonzo here and seeing plus 450, Alonzo of the Met, and experience, the Mets, experience plays a huge part in the success of the Home Run Derby, and he's got that in spades, doesn't he? Back-to-back winner. His 2022 home run total this year, 24. His longest home run, 447 feet. And in case you're wondering, his exit velocity, 89.9. Why do we care about exit velocity? Well, because the ones that have the higher exit velocity tend to go out of the park a little bit more. Now, he does have a tough side of the bracket to work through and has to face a rematch of his semifinal against Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first round. So again, maybe we'll see first round uh, fireworks like we did last year. Now, keep in mind... Acuna has only had eight homers in 56 games since returning from his injury. And entering last Saturday, he had one in his past 18 games. So, of course, this is not going to be against particularly difficult pitching, if you will. So that will factor in. But Acuna, I'm not convinced, can get this done. And I hope that he makes me eat those words. But his odds, nonetheless, 3-1, to as I mentioned. His home run total, 8 And his exit velocity right now, 91.4. His longest homer, 450 feet from this season. So three feet further than Pete Alonso. Kyle Schwerber also sitting up there at the top, just looking at the top contenders, if you will, at least in terms of the odds board. That doesn't mean these are the guys that are the best. It means it's who the bookmakers think have the best chance. Now, the 2022 home run total for Kyle Schwerber of the Phillies, 28. His exit velocity, 93. And his longest home run, 468 feet. So he's got that distance at least. For me, it's Pete Alonzo, plus 450. And there's a lot of reasons for this. The experience level. Also, the fact that he keeps coming back to this contest. And this has been talked about as well, that he enjoys it so much. Even a quote from him, he said, I don't think anyone has more fun than I do, especially when it comes to this event. It doesn't feel like a chore for him. He doesn't say, oh, it messes up my swing. He He's in it to win it. As you can see, he literally beat Jay Mancini when the rest of us were like, come on, man. Just like, come on, man. Let him have it. By the way, the eight players last year combined to hit 309 home runs, but that was in the thin, thin Denver air. And we're in Los Angeles. We're by the ocean. It's going to be a little moist. The number on Bet Rivers for total home runs, 260 and a half, minus 134 juice to the over. So juice just meaning that more action coming in on that side. So we're starting to see instead of having to lay 110, you have to lay something like 134 dollars to see $100 return. So... I don't think that juice is out of control, and I do like the over on this 260 and a half. Again, we saw 309 last year. That was in Denver. Huge, huge asterisk. Put it in bold. But I still like this to go over 260 and a half. The length of the longest home run, odds for Bet Rivers set at 495 and a half. Slight juice to the under at minus 124. Last year, Juan Soto hit a 520 foot in Denver home run to break the home run derby record for the longest home run. And again, in case you missed it, that happened in Denver. So just keep that in mind. 520 was the number last year. 495 and a half is what we're looking at this year. And again, the top guys we were looking at, Pete Alonso, 447 is his longest this year. Ronald Acuna Jr., longest is 450. And Kyle Schwarber, longest is 468. So if you think it's going over 500, I don't blame you. 
I don't blame you. I'm actually kind of sad that we, we're not going to see Shohei in this because I think he could do that. But that's just me being an LA City cast homer, if you will. Coming up, UCLA and USC, the two LA teams of the Pac-12, at least for the time being. We will look at their quarterbacks head-to-head next on the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by BetRiver Sportsbook. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by BetRiver Sportsbook and hosted by Danielle Alvari. How's it going? As always, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Danielle Alvari. Very straightforward for you. I'm always wondering, should I add like a Danielle Alvari sports or Danielle Alvari bets? And then I just don't like to put myself in that box. I like to be a multi faceted human if you will but i know that you know my public image probably is more associated with sports and betting so something to chew on let me know your thoughts on that if you have any advice for me and to the point of being multifaceted quick anecdote over the weekend i took a sewing class i did i put it on my instagram story and everybody in their mother yes some mothers as well were saying oh wow this is you've are you retiring? This is an activity for an old person or that it was like a domestic thing, which I get it is. I mean, we all, I mean, most of us took home ec, but people in high fashion know how to sew as well. Sewing is just a useful skill set, and I just wanted an excuse to buy a sewing machine. So anyways, I made a really beautiful pillow and I'm looking forward to that journey continuing. That said, let's start the sewing. I was going to try to make a sewing transition there and I just, I could not do it. So here, let's tie up loose ends. I don't know. We're not really. We're starting a new series on UCLA and USC and comparing them head-to-head by uh, position group. So we're going to start with the quarterbacks. But before we get into it, which I'll start with USC's for those who are wondering, oh, she's such UCLA homer. Yes. Yes, I am. But I will talk about USC as well, and we'll talk about it logically. Iowa quarterback Spencer Petras met with the media last week. And someone who actually grew up in California, San Rafael, California, he's familiar, obviously, with USC and UCLA. And he said that he's upset that he won't get to play against them during his time in Iowa City, at least as a conference foe. But he also said, quote, I think the best part of UCLA and USC joining is, I mean, you've got, if you're a Big Ten Midwest team, you've got to pray for a couple road games in LA in November. Sure, we get that. I mean, you can't ask for better because they don't have any fans. So it's not, what? What did he say? (laughs) I mean, you can't ask for better because they don't have any fans. So it's not like it's going to be too loud, tough environment. Quickly corrects himself, catches himself. That's rude. They have fans, but it's not the same as it is here. And 60, 70 degree weather in November would be pretty cool. Yeah, better than 40 mile per hour winds. You can't feel your hands. Ball is like soaking wet. So... The end of the quote cleans it up a little bit, but he said what he said, and it's a common belief that the LA teams don't particularly have the strongest fan base, whether it's college or NFL. And I think that that's really unfortunate, and I think it's so funny that he actually called it out. But that said, hopefully this uh, increase in availability, at least in terms of being able to actually watch the football games will bring something for UCLA and USC in the future. But for now, they're in the Pac-12. And the transfer portal really helped out some of these teams, USC and Oregon being the ones that are most notable. And obviously, if you remember from the top of the podcast, towards the top of the Pac-12 championship odds, Utah and UCLA are also towards the top and are backed by their returning starters. So you have the transfer portal versus returners, and that's been really interesting to kind of dive into. Outside of the four teams that are the contenders to win the conference, every other team, for the most part, improved at the quarterback position outside of, I would say, Arizona State. 
lost Jaden Daniels, but they did bring in Emory Jones, who should be the projected starter. Let's take a look at USC in this head-to-head of the quarterbacks. Oklahoma transfer, Caleb Williams, followed Lincoln Riley to USC. We love a follower. I'm sorry. We'll stop. We'll stop with the, the jabs. He has no competition for the starting gig. Keaton Slovis transferred to Pitt, Jackson Dart to Ole Miss. Slovis and Dart combined for 20 touchdown passes, but also had 13 interceptions last season. This was such a fun season for me to cover last year. Both of them battled injuries, and the offense suffered as a whole when wide receiver Drake London broke his ankle. By the way, if you want to bet some Drake London props in the NFL for the upcoming season, I would not fault you. Anyways, Caleb Wilkins had a touchdown interception ratio of 21 to 13. Miller Moss threw the other touchdown pass. And Williams already knows the system. This has a chance literally to be smooth sailing for the Trojans on day one in theory because they loaded him up with wide receivers from the transfer portal. Now, if you're wondering how his season looked at Oklahoma, he threw for 21 touchdowns to four interceptions, picked up 1,900 yards, just over 136 of 211 on passing. He's also a rushing threat. Where does that sound familiar? Oh. Perhaps UCLA's quarterback rushed for 442 yards on 79 attempts with four additional touchdowns. And although he wasn't a full-time starter, hilarious, what? Wasn't even a full-time starter with these numbers. He finished number two in the Big 12 in passing touchdowns and heads into the fall as not only the starter, but one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Like huge, huge upgrade for USC at quarterback, especially based on the horrific season we saw last year from them. Again, Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart having to split the time and just the dumpster fire that that was. It makes me think of The Office when Oscar's talking about what what office wouldn't succeed with two leaders? Where would Catholicism be without the popes? No, there should be one leader and it was a mess last year. So huge swing of the pendulum for USC to Caleb Williams this season. As for UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, back. And interestingly enough, some were expecting perhaps to leave in a low, lower talent quarterback year and perhaps leave for the draft, but he didn't. He decided to stay. And we're grateful for it. We love a returning quarterback. Flat-out explosive, that much is obvious. As a passer, actually really improved because there was, of course, the narrative that he can only run it. And why is he leading the team in rushing yards half the time? But he corrected upon that last season. He threw 21 touchdowns, six interceptions. We call that improvement. That's called growth. And again, showing that he's not just a threat on the ground. He did, however, rush for 609 yards and nine touchdowns on 130 carries. So he gets it done in the air, on the ground. That's a dangerous weapon for the Bruins. And that leaves a lot to be expected of this team who got eight wins finally last season. And by the way, lest we forget, DTR hurtling over the USC defender late in the fourth quarter of the UCLA victory over USC. People don't forget. Again, that was a very, very rough year for USC. So keep that in mind. And perhaps perhaps we are heading into a brutal beatdown for UCLA this year. And yes, I even I can admit that as a UCLA fan. That's what we have for the head-to-head quarterback comparison. We'll take a look at... The offensive line next is what I've just decided off the top of my head. Coming up, the WNBA has less than 30 days left in their 2022 season. I'm okay. It's fine. Let's update where we're at and preview Tuesday's games next on the LA CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.
Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every Tuesday during the season. Use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide, log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. As I mentioned going into the break, there are less than 30 days left in the 2022 WNBA season. Dang the gosh darn World Cup. Last year it was the Olympics. It's always something that adjusts this schedule for the WNBA, but less than 30 days left. Regular season wraps up on August 14th. First round of the playoffs, new format, we'll get into that in a moment, opens on August 17th. Put it on the calendar. They are getting rid of single elimination games in the playoffs, as announced earlier, I mean, I believe last winter, really. In the new format, eight teams with the highest winning percentage over the 36-game schedule. We get 40 games next year. 36 this year, so highest winning percentage, regardless of conference, qualify for the postseason and are seeded by record. Love that. Don't care for the conferences. Let me just do the highest winning percentages. Starting with the 2022 season, by the way, the first round will consist of four best of three series to determine the semifinalists. Do you guys say semis or semis? I always I go back and forth. But the semis and the WNBA finals will both remain best of five series. So love this for a million reasons. We get more games. And also, we're getting to see those rivalries develop a little bit more instead of these one-and-done games nobody wants. So five teams have established themselves in this postseason as yes. We will be there. <laughs> they are CP'd, yes. And some of those are pretty clear contenders, if you will, to win it all. We talked about the Aces at the top of the show, the Chicago Sky, the Sun, not for me, but could be sneaky and surprise us. Uh, and that's me speaking so lowly of a team that ranks so highly in so many categories, but unfortunately has not been delivering always, at least against these top other teams. And the Mystics, of course, my ticket on the Mystics. I don't know that, that I mean, I would love to have a Chicago Sky ticket as well, but not at two to one. So vying for the final three playoff spots, the Atlanta Dream, the Los Angeles Sparks, there she is, Dallas Wings, Phoenix Mercury, the New York Liberty, and Minnesota Lynx. And so you can imagine that the games against these teams are going to have the highest stakes as far as competition over the next four weeks. So the six teams that are all within one and a half games of each other, by the way, as well, and only a dozen or so games left to get this done. Who else is cheering for the Minnesota Lynx? Just me, Sylvia Fowles, last season, anybody? Yeah, we'll get into it. Alexa Filippo, by the way, from ESPN did a great preview of this, and I'm taking a lot of notes from that. So if that's if you're more of a reading person, definitely check that out. Otherwise, I'm happy to guide us through this and take a look and, and give some of my own notes. So let's start with LA since this is the Los Angeles City cast. So the number seven Sparks have had their season mired by injuries, if you will. And Neka Ogumike, Kennedy Carter have missed time, even though Neka's been on a tear recently. Really just been holding this team together with sheer willpower she's back uh thursday from a non-covid illness they feel important to to note that but seven of their 13 games will be at home and i don't know that that's to their advantage because this is not a team that is lock 
what is it called? Lock, stock, and barrel? What, I don't even know what that means, but they're not <laughs> they're not a lock at home, if you will, which you guys know how much I love to use the word lock as it pertains to sports betting. LA's been on a little bit of a surge lately. I don't expect it to continue. They might be fighting to get into these playoffs, but how happy would you be to see the Sparks in your first round of playoffs? Because I would. This is just not a team that's going to go to the distance this year. So as much as I'd love to have the LA team to talk about, I don't know. This is this is just a no for me for LA. And I don't see the point of getting to playoffs for them because this is not a championship caliber team for me. It's not one I want to see in playoffs, unfortunately. And that's they have some stuff to figure out in the offseason. Not on my time. Not on the fans' time. <laughs> Sorry. Atlanta, sixth place. Finally got back Tiffany Hayes four games ago. They have the fewest games remaining out of the top teams and also have done fairly well uh, against the top teams, meaning the other teams that are actually still locked in. And they've done well against everyone else. They own the tiebreaker over Dallas, and they are fifth in the league in net rating in those four games since Tiffany Hayes' return. So that has been a huge boost for them on the offensive side of things, especially... I, if you've listened to this podcast ever and heard me talk about the Atlanta Dream, not a big backer of them, not a big believer in them. They're sitting at sixth place, and I'm shocked to hear it. I am. Because they've overachieved my expectations for them this season, but I think we're right about there. We're just right about ran out. And there's just not the experience level that needs to be there for me for this to be a true playoff contender and somebody they need to worry about in playoffs. So as far as getting into playoffs, I think that we're going to see a little bit of the cream rising to the top, and I don't know that that's the Atlanta dream this year. They do own the tiebreaker over Dallas, though. And Dallas, number eight, also been dealing with their set of injuries, Sato Sabali being one of the ones being so important, actually, to the point spread for this team. Only played 11 games this season, listed as doubtful uh, last week, going into a game on Thursday, so been in and out of that lineup. And... The Wings, by the way, only team with multiple matchups against the last place Fever, which can help them bolster a couple extra wins because the Fever have just been awful. I think they're on a nine-game losing streak. We'll get into Tuesday's game preview, by the way, because they are playing on Tuesday, so maybe they'll make it 10-game losing streak by that point. I would love to see Dallas, a healthy Dallas, in the playoffs. I don't know that they can get there realistically, with the situation that they've been in as of late. But they have, again, we're starting to see that point in the season where, again, the Sparks, the Dallas Wings, are starting to kind of rally and try to get these last couple wins to see those playoffs. Phoenix, ninth place, fewest road games left. But how do you let Tina Charles get away? <laughs> There's so many things that went wrong with this team this year. Sophie Cunningham's been having an incredible couple last few games. She's been carrying them in a lot of ways with her three-point shooting. 36-point performance last week, by the way. Is Sophie Cunningham your recipe for success? <laughs> Probably not in a lot of ways. But <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really rude. I shouldn't be laughing that much. But my point being, after Tina Charles left, I thought, how is this going to work for the Mercury? And they did just lose to the Dream, by the way, on Sunday, which is fortunate because I almost bet on that game. And then I thought, I hate betting on both of these teams, so we're going to avoid that. I think that the Mercury could just fizzle out here. They shocked us a little bit last season, but that was with Brittany Griner. We're not going to see her, unfortunately. And they don't have Tina Charles anymore. I don't think this is a team that's going to make a deep run into playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked if they do weasel their way in. New York, number 10, 
Benijah Laney, roll call. We would love to see her return. Jocelyn Willoughby as well. I don't know if we will see anything super impactful from them leading up to this. And unfortunately for New York, kind of a tough schedule left. And have what? Lost four series tiebreakers? Yikes. I mean, this this just does not bode well for them as far as making playoffs, and especially because that middle pack is so tight right now. If we look at the Liberty's remaining schedule, that's what I was pulling up there. They're at the Sun on Tuesday. We'll talk about that, of course. And at the Mystics, they have the Sky. They host the Sky again. The Sky, the Mercury. Two against the Sparks, another Mercury, Wings, Wings, and then Dream to close it out. But by then, they will have gone through this gauntlet of games. And so even if they can go against the Dream, who is also who may or may not also be still in contention at that point, is are, are those going to be the ones that come down to it and matter the most? But I, I doubt it. I think that this gauntlet of games is really going to just be bad news for the Liberty. This is a tough, tough part of the season that they're going into. Minnesota. Man. Love me some Sylvia Fowles. Uh, Minnesota, by the way, best season-long net rating of the mid-tier teams we're talking about here. And large shout-out to Ariel Powers, who's been electric for this team, that is finally healthy, maybe bringing back Nafisa Collier, who was gone after giving birth, and, by the way, have won six of their last eight straight up. They've covered, what, eight of their last ten at least. And they have played more above 500 teams than any other mid-tier team. And have actually beaten these teams. When we talk about being able to beat the top teams, they've been able to beat the Aces. I believe they, I definitely believe they beat the Sky. I'll have to double check that one. But yes, they beat the Sky. They beat the Aces. These are the top teams I need you to be able to beat. Mystics being up there as well. If you can get those done, then all of a sudden, that's a scary team to face in playoffs. Now, the question becomes, can they make it at this point? Again, uh, started off the season so rough that crawling back to get into playoffs is going to be a, ta a task of epic proportions. So we'll we'll hope for the, the best for the Minnesota Lynx, but it's a big ask. It's a big ask from where they come. But if anybody could do it, this is the team that I like on this list the most to really shock us and finish it off strong. Of course, like I said, the games between any of these teams are going to be a lot more valuable than others, especially as tiebreakers are involved. But New York... And Atlanta have the most games against these other teams, eight of them, and Los Angeles has seven. So those will, of course, be heavy factors as we look at those games leading into that. As far as Tuesday's games, we have a quick note on Sunday, actually, before we talk about Tuesday. The Lynx had to play back-to-back -back games Thursday and Friday in Minneapolis and Indianapolis. And then they had flight issues Saturday. Who shocked? Not me. Delayed their arrival until midnight and had a Sunday 3 p.m. tip-off against the Mystics. And, you know, Coach T of the Mystics said, I'm tired of hearing about the delays. And I get his point that, oh, we all had to do this. And he's been doing this such a long time that he doesn't have as much sympathy for it, perhaps. But then also tweeted out that that's not what he meant by it. Uh, so all cleared, cleared the air, if you will. But it's just ridiculous at this point that we're still seeing these travel issues. And for those who don't know, the WNBA flies commercial in the regular season. And at least WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert also announced, uh, actually at the All-Star Game, that the league would charter all flights for the WNBA Finals beginning this year, which, like, hello, finally. But it's sad that this has to be a thing that's constantly talked about, and at least the players are being more vocal about it. 
but it is something that factors into these betting. I mean, if you're getting the Mystics minus what four and a half, I think it was Sunday. That was my lone bet. There, I mean, that's a no-brainer when you're looking at what Minnesota's having to deal with, and that's where the social media aspect comes into play. If you're not just thinking about the numbers, you're also going to want to look at days rest, but also travel being such a huge impact on the WNBA. Mystics, by the way, are a game out of the top four seeding, which is crucial, meaning home court advantage to start the first round of playoff series. So they'll be trying to battle for that as well. Tuesday's game, Liberty at Sun. Uh, New York has lost three in a row. The Sun just lost to the Aces on Sunday. New York last played on Thursday. Uh, so a little bit longer rest, at least for them, before they had to get on the road here. Nine and 15 straight up. The Sun, 16 and nine straight up. And the kicker for this 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, 11.30 Eastern for this game on Tuesday. So hopefully you're listening to this on Monday and you can get your bets in early once those odds are up. I think that we're going to see the Liberty as a least five, six-point dog. Honestly, if it's if it's anywhere, I wouldn't be comfortable taking the Sun minus six and a half would be where I would look. And also depending on what the total looks like for this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see an over for whatever reason, these really early morning games we've seen. And again, early for me, 8.30, but 11.30 East Coast time, which both these teams are East Coast teams. Uh, the other times we've seen these early East Coast games, the Chicago Sky game being the one that stands out to me the most, most recently, we've seen a little bit higher scoring games for whatever reason for these earlier games. And also, again, there's going to be that contention between the Liberty trying to get one more win under their belt against a very difficult team. So could see something of a higher scoring game, or maybe we see the defensive kind of kick into overdrive now as we enter these last few games of the season. I think that it's Sun here, and I'm sorry because I'm never on the Liberty train when it's chugging along, so maybe maybe I'm missing the boat here, but I think it's the Sun here, and, and I don't have a lot of doubt about that one. Uh, the Dream at the Aces also going on on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Both of them played on Sunday. I like the aces here, of course. This almost seems like something you could put like a money line parlay into with like the sparks, the aces, and the sun. Someone's always bound to mess it up. The, I, the aces won't mess it up against the dream. The sparks losing to the fever would be hilarious and totally on brand for the sparks this season, but hopefully it doesn't happen given that the fever are 5 and 22. And then Liberty at the Sun. Liberty could have an upset. The Sun, like I said, have been on a little bit of rocky footing this year, but I doubt it. Uh, I think that we see the favorites all win here straight up at least. Now, covering-wise, who do I feel most confident covering? The Aces are going to lay the biggest spread against the Dream. Sparks, Fever, you might get a favorable number on the Sparks. And the Fever, I believe, were 13.5 point dogs in their last game, maybe more. So if you're getting something like well into approaching 15 points, then that's first of all hilarious against the Sparks, but second of all worth a look at the Fever. But again, not a team that I'm willing to bet on. Five and 22 straight up, by the way, and have lost nine in a row straight up. The Sparks have lost three in a row, both of them on losing streaks. The Liberty also on a three-game losing streak. So all these teams looking to end those streaks, and I don't think this is going to be the night for them. The Sparks are going to be the ones, if anything, who get to end this streak. And LA, by the way, last played on Thursday. The Fever played on Sunday. So a little bit of a rest advantage as well and also at home. So I look to the Sparks here. I would get in early. I don't know that there'll be a great live opportunity on this one. Aces Dream, you might get a good live opportunity, and it might be worth looking at because there's going to be a big spread on the Aces versus the Dream. I'll be looking to the Aces, of course, but the Dream battling in that sixth place spot. And the Sun at the Liberty, as I said, I'm going to look to Sun here. But 
Of course, things develop before Tuesday. So as always, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Danielle Avari. And of course, I'm always checking in with my favorite betting pros as well and just seeing what they're on and, and what they like as well. So hopefully I can update you with that. But thank you so much in the meantime for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'll be back on Wednesday with more action to talk about on the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.